Today is September 22nd, and this is the ninth episode of the MMA Mike podcast, and I'm here with Jack O'Hara, founder of The O Show podcast. The boys are back in town. Yes, sir. Via satellite, we are back to talk UFC 253. We haven't talked since uh, we did the 252 live commentary, right? Yeah. That was insanely hard to do. Yep, but fun. I enjoyed that a lot. I knew it was going to be insanely hard to do. We did the first fight. Uh, I forget who the fighters were, but we basically were looking at each other the entire time. We're like, are we going to have to talk through this entire five-round fight? And by the time it was over and we clicked on record, we were like, ah, it's over. <laughs> we are yeah, that we're takes after the fights from now on. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Except, you know what? Uh, during the main event with uh, Cormier and uh, Stipe, we were like, you know what? We just kind of like let it roll because there was always stuff to talk about in between each fight since it was such an entertaining fight. Yeah, so that was kind of cool. Get like the KO win if it happened, like get our reactions and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it was close. It was close. Yeah. Instead, we got DC kind of going blind. Did you ever hear what happened with his eye? Yeah. So uh, he spoke about it, actually. He, um, he didn't need surgery, which was obviously good for him. You know, you, you never want surgery really. But uh, he said he, you know, he had something torn in his eye, but it was kind of just a rest type of thing and it'll get better over time. But uh, yeah, he said he couldn't see for a little bit out of that eye for a while. And then I think now he's, you know, pretty much back to normal. But uh, he said for a while, it felt like he had like an eyelash, you know, stuff in his eye for a while. And then eventually it starts to fade out and feel better. That's interesting. And he also talked about commentating but he's good now. WWE, right? Like that was his next thing. Commentating WWE? Yeah. I mean, I know like his name has always been thrown around ever since they moved to Fox for him to do like color commentary with Michael Cole or something like that. But like he's actually interested this time in actually signing on a contract with WWE to do stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I think com- he's a great commentator. I mean, he knows a lot about all that kind of stuff. I know he's a big fan of the WWE and obviously, you know, we could tell he's a good commentator from the UFC. Um, I enjoy listening to him, but yeah, I could definitely see him doing that. And he could definitely do both. Like, you know, one thing I noticed was cause I've started to watch Bellator a little bit and the referees are the same in both Bellator and the UFC. Like Bellator doesn't have their own. I mean, I'm sure both have some referees that only do, you know, one or the other, but like the big ones actually do uh, both, which is interesting. So I'm sure commentating like DC probably could make both work. You know, I, I'm sure the UFC wouldn't want to lose him. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'm sure he could, do, you know, make both work. I mean, Dana and Vince have been able to pull off deals like that before. And especially for a commentator, it's like, who cares? You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even if like, it's a thing where, you know, he's got his UFC schedule and then he's just got to fill it in, you know, the rest of his time. I mean, I'm sh- he's going to have a lot more time now that he's not, you know, doing fight camps twice, twice a year, you know, so. And again, just for the record, I'm very disappointed we didn't get to see him versus Lesnar uh, in the Octagon, which they do. Yeah, you- it's literally the only fight I've seen teased on pay-per-view live where Lesnar actually gets into the ring after his title fight win and shoves him. And then it just, they ha- I know, I know. And they haven't done that. It like, they haven't done that since the old school days, like a long, long time ago. And, um, they did it there and 
I think they were realistically trying to get that to happen. I think DC wanted it to happen. And I think uh, what happened really was like Brock just went dark, if I'm being honest. Uh, that That's kind of my take. Um, I Obviously, DC was there. You know what I mean? DC ended up fighting uh, against Derek Lewis and then defended against Stipe. And then, you know, he ended up getting the trilogy. But he was there. He, I think he was ready to, to face Brock. I think just, you know. Brock's I making also, money in WWE, so. I mean, I also think that was right around the time where he tested positive in that pool, right? Like, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that that defaulted it too, and it just pushed it down the line a little bit more. And Brock's also old. I'm pretty sure he's like 43. He's not. Um, and back. He's not a normal 43-year-old. No, that is very true. And he's also facing an older guy in Daniel Cormier, but. You know, I mean, when you look at it, like if he were to fight him right now, compared to like when they were talking about it and when he went into the to that ring and made the whole segment and stuff, a lot of time's gone by then. You know what I mean? Um, that was in 2018, and he just fought two years earlier against Mark Hunt in 2016. So that time gap wasn't too too far, but now it's been four years. You know, so that's obviously a much bigger bigger time gap, and he's definitely not like. I mean, he's obviously in shape and he's working out and doing that kind of stuff, but not, I don't think, personally, I don't think like fight, fight ready, you know what I mean? Or consistently like that. Well, Would have been a great fight to see though, for sure. Well, on that topic, I guess we can just kind of wipe this out of the way. The whole Brock Lesnar situation, everybody knows he's a free agent now, quote unquote, free agent. Who knows yeah. what's going on behind the scenes, behind the curtain with him, Vince, Dana, Dana says he's never heard from him or hasn't heard from him since he became a quote-unquote free agent. Uh, AEW would be in the mix for him too in pro wrestling and the pro wrestling side of the industry. I know we've talked about this a few times. What's your take kind of on the whole Brock Lesnar situation? Do you think that this could open the door for him and Dana to start some dialogue down the road, or do you think he's just content with doing whatever right now? You know what? Um this isn't the first time he's been a free agent and we've heard things like this. Um, and honestly, I think if Brock wanted to fight, he would have already. And I think if, if he was interested now, we would have heard something, you know, like he would have reached out and, and said it. And I know Bellator said, you know, the owner of Bellator said that they reached out to his team to see if he was interested and whatnot. And the UFC's obviously got their own stuff. They're not chasing anyone. So, if they want to, you know, if people want to have fights, they'll come to the UFC, not, you know, the UFC chasing people. They don't really need to. And, um, he's probably just looking for a bigger contract. You know I mean, I, I could see him though, going to that other promotion of wrestling before he signs with WWE again, though, for sure. I definitely think that could happen. Right. We got Adesanya versus Costa. This is, this is probably yep. the biggest fight or at least the most anticipated fight from a fight from a fight fan standpoint that we've had since COVID started, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, obviously we just had, you know, Covington versus Woodley that just happened, but that kind of flew under the radar, you know, like with no crowd and normally that would have been pay-per-view quality fight, um, especially if it was a few years ago when Woodley was the champ that would have been huge. You know what I mean? That would have been a huge pay-per-view. Um, so it kind of flew under the radar in my eyes. Um, that was a great fight. I mean, as far as, you know, diehard 
anticipation, yeah, this is definitely um, besides that fight and a couple pay-per-views. But yeah, Adesanya versus Costa is going to be gnarly. Honestly, I mean, I could see it going a you know a couple different ways, but um, you got two superstars that are undefeated. I mean, you never seen any of these guys lose, so you know. No one knows how they're going to lose, you know? I mean, obviously, you can break it down, but it's going to be a fun one for sure. I mean, when you look back at it, obviously, Geechee taking down Ferguson is the shocker of the year because that was the first that was the first pay-per-view in the COVID era, right? Yeah, yeah. And then, obviously, last month, we had the big heavyweight fight between Cormier and Stipe Miocic, which ended up going the way we thought it was going to go. You mentioned some of the fight nights, like the Woodley fight, uh, definitely. I think that probably went under the radar because it was a fight night. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, Poirier versus Hooker was a fantastic fight. Um, potential, you know, fight fight of the year candidate right there. That was pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, big, big name fights. I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to get Khabib versus Gaethje uh, coming up. So that's going to be a fun one too. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd say as far as big names, this is, this is probably, I mean, you know, Usman versus Burns was big as well. Um, there's been some big ones, but. So, yeah. so analyze this one for me, like get into like fighter mode for me here, because like you said, none of, yeah. them, none of them have lost professionally. Like there's really, I don't know, like when we go into predictions, who, who, to, who to choose here. Obviously, Adesanya, he has six more wins. That's basically the only thing he has on him to this point. Like what's his striking like? Like I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen him fight before. Yeah, I mean, they call him the style bender, and uh, he was a pro, before coming into MMA, he was a pro kickboxer and very, very talented in kickboxing, um, and that's how he's winning most of his fights. Uh, well, all of his fights. I mean, he's 19 and 0 um, in in MMA. Uh, obviously, had a lot of kickboxing experience previously, but long, tall, crazy reach. You know. He's very precise and very sharp uh, with his strikes. Can attack you with his legs and his, you know, hands. Obviously, very dangerous all over. But his mental IQ is also very sharp as well. You know what I mean? He he throws everything and sets everything up very intelligently, and that's that's been his key to his success and why he's got the championship. You know, in my mind, I think Robert Whitaker, who is the previous champ, who Adesanya beat. He's very talented, 185-pound fighter, um, and especially with how he, his style of fighting. I mean, he is the best brawler in that division for sure, beating Romero twice and a lot of those guys. And and Adesanya went in there and basically kind of picked him apart. Um, but you know, he's fighting a guy in Paul Costa who is big for the weight class, slightly shorter than Adesanya, but big. Uh, has a big weight cut absolutely jacked super cut people don't know how he makes the weight people think he's you know on juice obviously he's not because he's passing all of his usada tests but the guy's big and he's got power and knockout power and he basically romero too though and he just kicked his ass twice so well that so the thing about paul costa is that he basically just marches you down. And the interesting thing with uh, Romero facing Adesanya, which happened, um, that was actually the last pay-per-view with fans. 
was Adesanya versus uh, Romero. And Romero kind of wanted Adesanya to fight him. And and I think Adesanya kind of wanted Romero to come at him. And they both wanted to play that counter game. And that's kind of why people thought it was a boring fight. I thought stylistically, and when you watch it, it was pretty entertaining. But a lot of people thought it was a boring fight because it wasn't going crazy. Um, obviously, Romero didn't really try to take it to the ground. And if he did, he probably could have won the fight. But he wanted to stand. Just, you know, how he's been using his MMA style. But Costa fought Romero and walked him down and, you know, won a close fight, dropped Romero, um, hit Romero with a lot of strikes. I mean, this guy, he he walks everyone down and, and KOs them or beats the hell out of them. So that's the thing, you know. How's the fight going to, you know, finish? Uh, how's, you know, what's going to be the outcome? I mean, you got... Adesanya, who could very well just pick him apart, take him to the later rounds, either win a, a decision pretty dominantly, or maybe get a finish if he can get Costa retired, which Costa puts a lot of output in, um, hasn't fought in you know a five-round fight in the UFC yet, and um, Costa, you know, throwing everything you got in your punches and walking guys down. I mean, it's gotta be tiring, especially when you're fighting a guy like Adesanya who can move dip, you know, move around, avoid punches. He's long. He's going to have the reach advantage. So it's going to be tough, but if he clips them, if he catches them, I'm talking about Costa, uh, catching Adesanya, it's lights out. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's tough. So it's basically what you're kind of saying here. It's going to be intelligence versus power. Well, that's the thing. I mean, yeah, basically. And if Costa, though, comes in with an approach that he hasn't really fought with, it it could be dangerous because Adesanya is definitely thinking he's coming in and going to try and charge him down like he has done in every UFC, every UFC fight he's had, um, which I think a lot of people think he's going to do, which he very well might do. He might try to put him out within the first three rounds, and that's probably his best chance uh, if he does that. But... If he takes a little bit of a slower approach, the first two rounds, and then starts to pour it on, could give Adesanya a little bit of trouble. I mean, Costa does throw a lot of power, but his strikes are pretty sharp. You know, he doesn't throw too, too wild. He's very accurate, but he throws with a lot, so he could tire himself out potentially. It's so tough to pick. I mean... It's it's hard not to pick the champion, obviously, and and with how he's been beating everyone and everyone he's fought. I mean, he's got a great resume. <sighs> to be honest with you, I want Costa to win. I think I don't like how Adesanya talks. To be honest with you, I mean, I know Costa talked a lot of shit, uh, you know, recently. Uh, but if if I how to pick a guy I wanted to win. I want to pick Costa. It's hard to pick against Adesanya though, especially with how the styles match up. I would love to see Costa come out and surprise everyone. Costa especially like looks with like how he fights built champion. He, he looks like, for uh, sure. Uh, he looks like a heavyweight champion, dude. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like he walks around very heavy. Like if he won the, this belt and is dominant, he very well could go up to two or five yeah. theoretically. Because he's big. He could do it. Jack, glad to have you on. This was the first person I've had on the podcast. It was a fun one. We'll definitely have to do this more. You know, I'm, I'm really thinking uh, I'd like to have you on, you know, before every pay-per-view. You know, get you on before every pay-per-view and 
your people, yeah, I, my definitely. people, and we'll set it up. Yeah, sounds good. Great, great episode. That was episode nine.